0: Hi natural beauties, welcome to clean beauty over coffee, where we like to discuss all that is natural beauty, wellness, and of course, skincare over some delicious coffee. So get your preferred drink ready and let's chat. What makes the world go round? What do you need to survive Monday? We're going to be talking all about this magical little bean, coffee so today's episode is coffee over coffee we're going to be talking about the history of coffee the benefits and nutritional facts about coffee and we'll also talk about the different types of coffee products that exist then we'll wrap it up with some coffee sustainability tips let's get into it do you get strawberry skin after you shave or sensitive red bumps after you wax your skin how about wicked razor burns around your bikini line? Well, Vilao creates some of the best and soothing skincare in the natural beauty market. Especially when it comes to post-hair removal care, Vilao has got your back. Their formulations are entirely natural and loaded with antibacterial and calming ingredients, the primary ingredient being aloe vera. Bilal's Royal Jelly Body Lotion is the ideal post shave or post wax skin soothing lotion because the honey and aloe vera are immediately effective at reducing inflammation or irritation in your skin and restore that healthy glow. Now back to our episode. Oh boy, I love coffee. Coffee has been enjoyed for over 500 years. In fact, it dates back to the 15th century when it was first drank by the people in Yemen. It's primarily cultivated in warm tropical regions along the equator. So today it's cultivated in about 70 countries worldwide. The two most commonly grown types of coffee are Arabica and Robusta. Now, according to the National Coffee Association, more than 50% of all U.S. adults drink coffee every single day. And I am a proud representative of that 50%. <laughs> I don't
1: know about you. Me too. Definitely. <laughs> definitely.
0: <laughs> so when I was growing up, I lived in Angola. And Angola, they it's along the equator. And they grow their own coffee. So everybody in that country was
1: drinking their own grown coffee. Beautiful. When I was growing up, I was born in Bulgaria and my formative years were split between Bulgaria and former Yugoslavia. So everyone was drinking coffee all day long. I remember my mom, my grandmother, my great grandmother, they were having coffee nonstop. We had a constant flow. Uh, friends and relatives coming and some of the people were bringing their own coffee it was mainly Turkish coffee which is made a little differently from the Keurig that we have now <laughs> and that's how I remember my childhood it's everything was around coffee
0: you know coffee is a very quintessential part of uniting people now and back then think coffee was what brought people together and formed communities and bonds between people, and I live for it. Absolutely. And it's good for you. It is. You know, it's funny because I obviously didn't start drinking coffee until I was in college, really. And now I go to bed looking forward to drinking
1: coffee in the morning, every single night. You know, I was also a late bloomer when it comes to coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I actually started just a few years ago. I never was tempted when my grandmother and great-grandmother were drinking it. Well, now we have refined taste. And now we know that it's actually really good for you. And it's completely guilt-free, obviously, if you don't go to Starbucks and make your concoction full of sugar, like the caramel macchiato with three pumps of syrup and a splash of sweet cream that everyone likes to drink. It's really tasty.
0: I'll give it that for sure. But it's one of those drinks that you should have few and far in
1: between. Agreed. I have also my favorite drink at Starbucks. (laughs) 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 But I don't go there that often. So coffee is completely guilt-free if you drink it without all the additives and sugars. For an eight ounce cup, it has between two and five calories. It has zero protein, zero carbs, and zero sugar. It's pretty awesome when you think about it. And it has a ton of benefits. It protects against cancer, which is sadly something I realized after I was diagnosed with cancer, but ever since I've been drinking it. For instance, there, there was a review published by the National Institute of Health that noted that drinking coffee was associated with a much lower risk of multiple kinds of cancer. I'm not going to quote all of them, but including liver cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, melanoma. So pretty good for you. Also, the NIH published a study that associates regular coffee consumption with a reduced mortality. And it's not only for cardiovascular deaths, but also for all cause of deaths. It's lower risk of heart failure, stroke, arrhythmia, and they they attribute that mainly to the diterpene compounds that lower cholesterol contained in coffee. Now, this is completely contradicted whenever you add a bunch of
0: sugary additives to your coffee, just making that super clear.
1: <laughs> coffee by itself, just black, is what has all these benefits. Yes. So, coffee also protects against diabetes if you don't add sugar in it. It contains multiple antioxidants that reduce the absorption of glucose from sugar or high-carbohydrate foods to slow down the release of glucose into the bloodstream. This way, they prevent insulin resistance.
0: The antioxidants that are found in coffee are chlorogenic acid and caffeic acid, which both fight free radicals to help protect your cells against oxidative stress.
1: They are actually also the ones that help prevent diabetes, especially type two diabetes. They also help with weight loss, protect against neurodegenerative disease, improve physical performance, concentration, you name it. So weight loss is mainly because coffee is fat burning. Research shows that it helps boost fat burning and metabolism to increase weight loss. When it comes to neurodegenerative diseases, There are several studies that have studied coffee when it comes to Alzheimer's and other cognitive problems. And coffee increases the blood flow to the brain, also protects against memory impairment. Coffee also lowers the brain levels of the abnormal protein amyloid beta that is crucial to Alzheimer's development. So coffee is known to fight depression, to improve asthma control, to lower risk of select gastric intestinal diseases. Uh, It also has laxative properties, so in case someone needs that, it helps. On the other hand, when I was growing up, my grandmother had her own recipe to help you in case you have the opposite problem. And she would mix up a spoon, a tablespoon full of ground coffee with a little bit of sugar. And that would stop any diarrhea (laughs) that you might have, probably because it tasted horrendous, but... That's very interesting. You would think it would induce worse diarrhea. Yes, I was interested also to look at studies because I didn't find that anywhere, but I can tell you that it was very, very efficient. Personally, I drink about two to three
0: cups of coffee a day. And after my first cup, like clockwork in the morning, I (laughs) need to go to the bathroom and it is beautiful because then I'm ready to go about my
1: day empty. Works the same for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So everybody listening now, take a second, pause, take a sip from your coffee. Now piggybacking off of the weight loss part of coffee, there are two diets that come to mind, Dr. Arnott's coffee diet and Dave Asprey's bulletproof diet. A quintessential part of both diets, or technically all three if we're talking about keto too, is the bulletproof coffee where you add butter or coconut oil or both, sometimes a little bit of heavy whipping cream for those of us that like a little bit of a milky flavor like myself. So it basically requires that you use black coffee, regular or decaf, alongside a robust diet plan that's similar to many others, which focuses on whole foods, avoiding processed foods and refined carbs while limiting your calorie intake overall. Now, Dr. Arnott says that consuming coffee several times a day can increase your metabolism, burn more fat, block calorie consumption, and reduce your appetite, which sounds all really good to me. The Bulletproof coffee is wonderful. I used to drink it religiously back in my ketogenic days, and it would hold me over for hours, and I was shedding weight. But I was also on a very strict
1: diet. Same with me. Until today, my favorite coffee, the first coffee in the morning, is my Bulletproof coffee. Another really important weight loss component
0: having to do with coffee is actually green coffee beans. Now, green coffee beans are only available as an extract in the form of a supplement. The deep roasting process used to create the most commercial coffees reduces the antioxidant content significantly. Green coffee, however, is rich source of several types of antioxidants and other beneficial compounds, which include a number of polyphenols. One of the polyphenols is called chlorogenic acid, which is found in high amounts of green coffee beans. Chlorogenic acid is also considered one of the most beneficial things about consuming coffee beans and the reason that green coffee supplements are said to act as a natural weight loss aid and fat burner, normalizing your blood sugar levels and lowering the risk of type 2 diabetes, as well as insulin resistance, improving your heart health, increasing your energy, improving your cognitive health, and also your mood. So studies show that if taken in a high dose, it seems to be very effective in lowering blood pressure and decreases your cholesterol. For those of you that have pre-existing conditions that might be exacerbated by caffeine, you should discuss this with your healthcare provider before taking it.
1: I remember taking some supplements that were green coffee beans. That was pretty efficient. Did you? Long time ago. Really? hmm Wow. So have you heard of coffee enemas?
0: I have. Actually, my nutritionist used to advocate for this, and I was very
1: interested but deterred by the enema. (laughs) (laughs) So a coffee enema is actually a type of natural colon cleanse that involves injecting coffee and water into the rectum and colon. That's the part that deters pretty much everyone, I think, (laughs) that hasn't done it yet. (laughs) I know all the celebrities
0: have, so I just need to buckle down
1: and try it. (laughs) Yeah. um... (laughs) I heard the first time about it when I was going through my cancer treatment because it's great for cancer treatments. But again, I I have not been able to overcome my own limitations there. Mm -hmm. So coffee enemas have been around since the 1800s. At the time, they, they were used to speed up healing, following surgeries, or to combat diseases or accidental poisoning. Now today, doctors of functional and alternative medicine use coffee enemas to help manage conditions including cancer, liver dysfunction, constipation, IBS, parasites, overdoses, and some other digestive disorders. The primary purpose of a coffee enema is removing toxins accumulated in the liver and removing free radicals from the bloodstream. It's not just the caffeine in coffee that is responsible for these benefits of coffee enemas. In fact, studies show that bioavailability of caffeine obtained from coffee enemas is about 3.5 times higher than those obtained drinking coffee orally.
0: You know, that would make sense. There's a lot of veins and it's a very thin tissue in your rectum and colon.
1: So I would assume it gets absorbed very fast. Apparently it does and I would love to try it. However, I know... No, I can't. Not yet. Let's make a pact. You and I will do it within the month. Okay, but we're not going to do a podcast on it.
0: No, <laughs> no. This is the last you will all be hearing of it. <laughs> so there are a lot of people that bring up the acrylamide problem in coffee. So acrylamide is a chemical that is present in certain foods that form from the sugars and amino acids called asparagine. It forms during high-temperature cooking like when you're frying, grilling, roasting, or baking, mainly grains and potatoes. So it's pretty much insignificant in coffee. But, you know, it happens. With everything, when you cook at a high temperature, acrylamide is formed. So it's been linked to certain health problems that includes cancer. Other than in foods, you can find acrylamide in cigarette smoke and some household, beauty, industrial, and textile products. According to the CDC, it reacts violently when it's melted or heated, releasing fumes that are harmful to people and animals. The highest levels of acrylamide In foods are present in potato and grain-based products, which include french fries, chips, breads, cereals, desserts, and other super ultra-processed foods. This chemical can accumulate in coffee beans only during the roasting process, not when you're brewing the coffee at home. Now, unfortunately, there is still no known way to reduce acrylamide formation in coffee beans during the roasting process. But in order to keep your exposure levels low, according to experts, you don't need to avoid all the foods that are cooked at high temperatures, but you should focus on eating a balanced, unprocessed diet that includes minimally cooked foods.
1: I don't think that anyone can drink enough coffee so that you get that much acrylamide from three cups a day or well, I, I think that more than that is already a bad addiction. <laughs> yeah, because then it's a caffeine problem. And again, it's like with everything, everything in moderation is much better. Agreed. Another one of the
0: risks associated with heavy coffee consumption is that It decreases your calcium absorption, which therefore lead to more increased incidences of hip fractures or bone fractures. Another area of concern, especially pertaining to females, is the coffee's ability to bind to non-heme iron, thus blunting the body's ability to absorb iron. Now, there is a myth that floats around, and I am guilty of believing this for a long time, is that caffeine in the coffee negatively impacts female hormones, which therefore induces worse or more painful period cramps. But this, however, was debunked in a 2016 study published by the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, where researchers looked at the association between caffeine and coffee intake and its relation to severity of PMS symptoms. And there was, in fact, no elevation of PMS symptoms and breast tenderness
1: associated with the increased caffeine intake from coffee. It's interesting because I could never stop drinking my coffee in that kind of period. Yeah. <laughs> I began
0: associating my cramps onset with a coffee because I drink coffee all day. And just naturally, I connected the two and I would try to reduce my coffee consumption or I would just preventatively take medication because i do have a coffee
1: addiction or a caffeine addiction (laughs) (laughs) yes i never stopped taking my coffee despite the myth
0: but Mm -hmm.
1: now i'm happy that it's been debunked would this deter
0: you from drinking your morning cup of joe the cons are very minimal so do you know the
1: difference between coffee beans and coffee fruit i would have thought those were the same thing not gonna lie well actually they're not Coffee beans are like the cherry pit of the cherry. They are seed inside the coffee cherry. Okay. So we only usually use the coffee beans and we throw away the coffee cherry. So coffee fruit is produced by the coffee plant and it houses the coffee bean inside, just like the cherry has inside of it, the cherry pit. So usually you extract the coffee bean and you roast it and you make coffee. Most coffee cherries contain two coffee beans And the coffee fruit has a significantly lower caffeine content than the coffee bean, which makes it a great option for those who are sensitive to the effects of caffeine or looking for an energizing alternative to coffee. But the coffee cherry contains a lot of antioxidant compounds, despite the fact that it has lower caffeine. So coffee beans are roasted and sold either as whole coffee beans or ground coffee. However, when it comes to the coffee fruit, it's turned into an extract and it's added to supplements and drinks, or there are several different original coffee products that are coming to the market, including coffee flower, uh, coffee cherry tea. So for instance, the coffee flower is upcycled coffee cherry product. The coffee industry discards about 46 billion pounds of of coffee cherry byproduct from the production of coffee beans. So there are companies now that have taken the coffee cherries and created different products with them, enjoying the benefits that they have. So coffee flour is much lower in fat than other flours. It's gluten free. It's full of fiber and nutrients. It has about as much caffeine as a bar of dark chocolate. So you can use it to create your cakes. But if you don't want to change the taste, you can just replace a small fraction of your regular flour with the coffee flour to get the benefits from it. There is another interesting coffee product. It's the Nitro Coffee. The Nitro Coffee is cold brewed. It's put into a keg and then infused with nitrogen gas. It's served straight from the tap, just like a cold beer. And it looks frothy and bubbly, just like a beer. Now, it doesn't have the alcohol. It has the benefits of coffee. And I'm looking forward to trying one yeah i've only read about it
0: as, <laughs> as soon as we're done recording this podcast i'm going on a deep dive i'm going to look for
1: that i need to try it sounds pretty interesting right it does i'd love to try a bunch of these products that have recently surfaced like the coffee flower the coffee cherry tea yeah neutral coffee very cool another coffee
0: product that we want to talk about is decaf decaffeinated coffee There are currently two methods of decaffeinating coffee. One is the Swiss water method, and the other is the carbon dioxide extraction method. Both methods do lose some of the volatile coffee oils, but they're chemical-free. A standard cup of coffee contains between 80 and 120 milligrams of caffeine. So that's the dramatic cut. It won't affect the chemical called adenosine in your nervous system. Adenosine helps modulate your sleeping and waking cycles. This is what caffeine affects directly. Adenosine is a receptor. When you're awake throughout the day, adenosine accumulates in the brain, and as the day carries on, you begin to feel drowsy and sleepy, thus sending signals throughout your body that it's time for rest and recovery. That is your circadian rhythm. When you consume caffeine, The caffeine binds to the adenosine receptors, thus resulting in your brain not detecting the adenosine, which keeps your brain activity engaged and alert. This is why you hear how caffeine consumption can disrupt your circadian rhythm. Some other health benefits are actually similar to just drinking regular coffee on just a slightly lesser scale. In a recent study from the American Diabetes Association, researchers found that both caffeinated and decaffeinated consumption was associated with a lower risk of diabetes. The coffee diterpenes and various oils seem to showcase protective effects against the harmful to the liver toxin called aflatoxin, and it encourages the production of glutathione, which is a potent antioxidant that enhances liver function and boosts detoxification. This also aids your heart health by eliminating the free radicals, boosts brain cognition, especially when compared to the
1: non-coffee consumers. Pretty much everyone is a coffee addict. You're addicted, I'm addicted, Everybody's Doris is addicted, addicted. everyone's addicted. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> do we need to take care of that addiction? Should we do a coffee detox? Well, it appears that it could be actually beneficial once in a while to do that because it has great benefits, but sometimes it's good to take a break. So going overboard with caffeine can also hurt you. It's highly addictive, which is when we actually decide to go on a coffee detox, we have caffeine withdrawal symptoms. So bad. Yeah, like real addicts. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so bad. I have the worst headaches on the planet. Yes, you get headaches, you get increased heart rate, high blood pressure, dehydration. Some people even have panic attacks. It's pretty bad. I believe it. Most people actually think that a coffee detox is impossible. You can't do that. But taking a small break from coffee is really good because coffee is a very strong stimulant and it overloads your adrenal glands. It can lead to an adrenal fatigue. And also the other benefit, if you go on a coffee detox, your teeth will appreciate it. No stains, no eroded enamel, no bad coffee breath. (laughs) And you'll sleep better, especially for the people that take their coffee late in the afternoon, which I know that you and I are both guilty of that. Guilty. Yeah. Start from the morning and then drink my last coffee probably at five or 6 p.m. It takes about five hours for half the caffeine in your bloodstream to be eliminated. Can you imagine uh, 10 hours for all the coffee that you drink to be eliminated? Not gonna lie, I think that's very quick. I was assuming it would take a lot longer. Well, if you take your last coffee at 5 p.m., oh yeah, that explains why we go to bed so late. That makes sense. It's not exactly a healthy routine. And last benefit to a little coffee detox, you save money. If you're drinking your coffee from Starbucks especially... That's expensive. It's very expensive. And if you go a little bit exotic with your recipe, like that macchiato that I was talking about, (laughs) yeah, it gets expensive really fast.
0: Now to wrap up the Coffee Over Coffee podcast, we want to talk a little bit about coffee recycling. So as Rosie mentioned earlier, there's about 46 billion pounds of wasted coffee cherry. That is not including the byproduct of the roasted coffee beans when you're done with your coffee. There is a lot of waste. I personally like to use coffee grounds to feed my plants. The nitrogen is really good for the soil and the plants are very thankful, let me tell you.
1: And I also use it in DIY body and hair and face products. Actually, the coffee beans in the plants also prevent some of the nasty insects that go over plants that we don't want. You can use coffee and scrubs
0: in your shower for cleaner and fresher skin on your scalp, on your body. It also helps reduce cellulite. It's great plant fertilizer, excellent compost, great insect or pest repellent natural hair and eyebrow dye some people use it with henna too for that dye you can use it as a natural deodorizer for your refrigerator which i've used on many occasions it's a great antibacterial grease and grime cleaner and those are just some of the ways you can repurpose and reuse your coffee grounds in the comments below we would love to hear how you guys use your coffee ground leftovers And as a bonus recipe for this Coffee Over Coffee episode, we're going to write out a coffee scrub DIY below. By this point in the podcast, you should have already acquired at least one coffee plant. Coffee is awesome, so keep enjoying it, especially with every one of the Clean Beauty Over Coffee episodes. So thank you all for listening today. Please follow us on our Instagram at Vilao underscore nature or our Facebook page, Vilao space nature. Below nature. Cheers.
1: Cheers.